We're having some technical difficulties with our ARC this morning. Those of you who are regulars probably are aware that normally there's a, a curtain, you know, that closes, but um, the tassels that pull the curtain are not working properly, so we're using the mechanical door, which so far is working, but I feel like I'm a little bit like I'm in the middle of a James Bond movie, you know, with the <laughs> things, which, which is sort of, sort of along the lines of what I'd like to talk about, actually. I, I was born in the early 60s, and uh, so I really came of age in the 70s. And I'd like to think with you for a few moments about TV in the 70s as opposed to TV in the modern era. Obviously, in the 70s, there was no streaming of television programs. There was no binging of programs. It was impossible. You watch, you watch TV shows as they came out. They came out once a week on such and such a day at such and such a time. If you missed the show, that was it. There was no way to see it until reruns came around in the summer. There were only a few networks, right? Where I grew up, I grew up in upstate New York, ABC, CBS, NBC, those were the big three. You probably had a PBS station as well. And growing up in upstate New York, I had two New York City stations that I got, WWOR, those of you from New York know that was Channel 9, and WPIX, which was Channel 11. I watched WOR, which was why I became a Mets fan, much to my chagrin, all these years later. And uh, the locked times when the shows were shown, in other words, it was always at such and such a time on such and such a day, the limited number of stations that existed at the time created a TV-watching dynamic that just does not exist anymore. And that is that on any given night in the United States in the 1970s, on any given night, the vast majority of the country at the same time was watching, sitting in front of their television sets, watching the same show and experiencing it for the first time. Everyone was doing it together, and then the next day, everyone was talking about it. And there were classic, classic shows to watch in the 1970s. I'm waxing a little nostalgic, but MASH, which ran from 72 to 83, one of the great TV shows of all time. Happy Days was on in the 70s. Some of you will remember that. It was on in the 70s. It was about the 50s. The Brady Bunch, which started actually in 69 and ran into the early 70s, 74, 75, I think. The Bob Newhart Show, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, the Jeffersons. These were all the 70s shows, these great shows. But of all the great 70s shows, arguably the most popular and, I would say for sure, the most decade-defining show was All in the Family. It was All in the Family. If you were... That's all you have to say to get applause, All in the Family, okay. If you were around in the 70s, whether you liked the show or not, you knew what it was. The memorable characters, Archie Bunker, of course, who had an unkind word for every person and every group. His sweet wife, whose name was Edith, okay. Their daughter, whose name was Gloria, was her name, and her husband, what was his real name? Michael. Yes, he was called me that often by Archie. His name was Michael Stivick, I think was his last name. For five straight seasons, five straight seasons, All in the Family was the number one show in the entire country. It was broadcast on which night? Saturday nights, what time? 
It was 8 o'clock. Very good, Howard. Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. So on any given Saturday night through that stretch, at 8 o'clock at night. By the way, it's Saturday night. You'd think people would want to go out, right? No, Saturday nights, 8 o'clock, about 60% of the TV sets in this country were tuned to All in the Family. 60%. That is close to Super Bowl numbers, actually. Close to Super Bowl numbers. The show was created and produced by a man named Norman Lear. Now, Mr. Lear not only had All in the Family, <clears throat> he had another, another series of classic 70s shows, The Jeffersons was Norman Lear, Maud, you may remember Maud was Norman Lear as well, Good Times. Norman Lear died this week, just a few days ago, at the age of 101 he was. He was a Jew. He was born into a Jewish family, grew up in the Hartford, Connecticut area. When he spoke about his Judaism, which he did off and on, he was asked about it, he would say that he wasn't religiously Jewish. And what he meant by that was he didn't go to shul, he didn't fast on Yom Kippur, probably didn't even go to a Passover Seder, and in all likelihood didn't believe in God in, in any kind of way. But he always identified as being culturally Jewish, always, and he said publicly many times that he was proud to be a Jew. And it strikes me, just reading about his life over the last few days, and particularly during Hanukkah, during Hanukkah, this season of Hanukkah, that in many ways Norman Lear's life work was focused through a Jewish lens, namely this, the Jewish impulse to shine light into the dark places of the world. It's a lot of what Hanukkah is about, right? Of course we have the story of Hanukkah, the military victory, the Maccabees. Yes, we also have the story of the miracle, the cruise of oil, and it lasts for the extra days. But the central ritual of Hanukkah is the lighting of the Hanukkah, the lighting of the menorah. And that is about darkness that's outside and the power in the human heart to push that darkness back and to bring light into the world. When does Hanukkah begin? Anyone know the Hebrew date? The 25th of Kislev. Towards the end of the month, we just benched Rosh Chodesh, Mavarchi Chodesh. That means the end of the month is rapidly approaching. In a lunar calendar, that means that there's almost no moon in the sky. So what we're dealing with right now is the darkest nights of the year, because there's no moon in the sky, and the longest nights of the year, right? Because it's the late, late fall, early winter. So when the, when the moon is not out, and when the hours of darkness are the longest, the darkest and longest nights, our tradition comes to us and says, on the darkest night of the year, the longest night of the year, set a menorah in your windowsill, and begin to light it and bring light into the world. And each night as it gets darker, the menorah gets brighter and brighter because you're lighting more candles. Literally, the tradition says, make light in the darkness. Now, the symbolism, I think, works in two different ways. Okay? On the one hand, it reminds us, as I said, of the power that we have as individuals to bring light into the world and to make the world a better and brighter place because we happen to be blessed to be in it. On the other hand, it reminds us that as Jews, we also have a responsibility to shine light into dark places, to see things for what they really are, to look at them clearly, sometimes even unflinchingly when you need to do that, and in that searching to look for the truth, to see things for what they really are, even if they're not pleasant, even if they're dark. Now, of course, those two things are connected. 
Those two things are connected. It's only when we can see into the dark places that we know what needs to be done. Only when we look into the dark places that we can understand what kind of light we need to bring and where it needs to shine. It's no coincidence that the prophet Isaiah describes the Jewish people as or legoyim. We use that phrase all the time. It means a light unto the nations, a light unto the... Jews must be bringers of light and seekers of truth. And Norman Lear, I would say, in his own way, he did that. He did that. All in the family, back in the 70s, it tackled topics that had previously been completely taboo on prime time television. Bigotry, racism, abortion, sexism, the struggles of the working class, feminism. These were all the topics of All in the Family, the biggest and most challenging issues of his day. Norman Lear said once that in the 50s and in the 60s, and he worked in TV back in those decades as well, so that's Leave it to Beaver and Dick Van Dyke, you know, and those kinds of shows. He said that the biggest problems in those shows that came up were that you put the roast in the oven and it burned and the boss was coming over for dinner. Like those were the biggest problems in the Dick, in the Dick Van Dyke show, right? Not for him. He tackled topics that would be difficult. His shows reflected an America that was struggling, struggling with race and ethnicity and the forces of politics and religion and national identity and he turned his cameras and with cameras you have bright lights if you think of the imagery onto each of those topics and by doing that he enabled all of us to think more deeply about what the country was in the 70s what was happening in the country in the 70s and what it meant to be part of that country what it meant to be an American so here we are it's 40 years since the last time Archie Bunker was on our TV screens. And looking around, still a lot of darkness. Still a lot of, maybe darker today. Maybe darker today. Dark time, difficult time, challenging time, troubling time. These are the adjectives that we've been using as we talk to one another. Hard time for Israel, hard time to be Jewish, and the difficulty and the darkness, it can make it tempting to look away and to turn in the other direction, to look for some relief and to try to just find a break for a little bit from the disturbing headlines. But each night through Hanukkah, we walk to our windows and we light those candles and the light shines out into the darkness of the world, shines out into the darkness. That's a light of truth. It's a light of freedom. It's a light of human dignity. It's a light of hope and courage, and faith, and strength, and clarity, and power. That is a Jewish light, it is our light. It's a sense of what the world should be. That's what we're looking for when we shine that light out into the darkness. And also to find within ourselves a determination to work together to make the world look like we know it should be. And maybe especially, maybe especially when we know it's not that way. So may the Hanukkah lights this year inspire us in all of those ways, to do that work, to do it well, to shine brightly in our own lives, in our communities, and to bring light each and every day into the world. Or chadash al tzion ta'ir oro. Baruch Adonai yotzer ha'me'orot. Blessed are you, God, who brings light into the world. Shabbat shalom. Chag sameach.